The following is a presentation of Hogeye Sports Radio and is produced by Flat Creek Productions. Hey man, turn on the radio. Let's hear some tunes. From deep in the heart of Hogeye country, this is the Hogeye Sports Show. Oh, baby, they're lining it up. Is that all this thing will pick up? Of course. It's Hogeye Sports Radio. fans welcome to another enthralling episode of the hog eye sports show michael johnson and josh scott here recording live from the wildcat den studio in beautiful livingston tennessee on today's episode we'll talk uh, this week in the world of sports outside of livingston academy we'll talk uh, some of our favorite basketball players of all time we'll have a special guest appearance by former Livingston Academy basketball player and current Hillham Elementary School basketball coach, Jeremy McLaren. He will join us on the program today. And uh, our last segment, we will talk and recap some Livingston Academy basketball games and uh, preview the upcoming Livingston Academy versus Upperman District 8AA tournament championship game and a home region game That'll be played at Livingston Academy coming this weekend on Saturday, I believe. So, Josh, let's start off this uh, segment with this week in the world of sports. Outside of Livingston Academy, what would you like to discuss? The AAF, the new football league, just rolled out last weekend. Uh, was a lot of fun to watch. I think that... Um, do, you, do you know what AAF stands for off the top of your head? Not off the top of my head, no. <laughs> the Alliance of American there Football. I was going to the American Alliance Football. It messed me up. Um, but a lot of people you know, kind of really crapped on it, I think. The idea of it, that with that and the XFL, I'll be coming out uh, later in the year. Maybe next year now. Um, but I have a good time watching it. You know, Saturday night, I'm flipping through, and hey, football's on. Mm. Uh, I think that's every football fan in, in the world. Um but I thought it was interesting that Steve Spurrier is back in coaching and looking pretty good. But they made some really savvy moves with some of their hires, yeah. I think, of coaches yeah. and uh, some of the players that they've got just to try to bring in some fans. Of course, it was on CBS originally, so that brought in some some viewers. I think this week it won't be on CBS. No, on. I think it's uh, NFL Network and the CBS, CBS Sports Channel. So it would be a little bit harder to have the same number, number but, of ratings. Yes. But it's a slow a sports weekend. The biggest thing is Tennessee Kentucky basketball tonight. We're on Saturday here, and then the Daytona 500 and the NBA All Star game tomorrow. Um, so, you know, maybe they. It's supposed to be like a minor league for NFL, mm, the way mm-hmm. I understand it. So, uh, pretty neat. You see some players out there that um, played for your college teams. You know, like Corey Vereen played for Tennessee, now plays for Memphis. Matt Sims. Matt Sims, yeah. God bless him. Uh, <laughs> He looked rough. But, I mean, you just pick Howard. You know, guys you, you just forgot about a little bit. 
Uh, and then Trent Richardson, you mm-hmm. know, had all the upside from Alabama. He scores two touchdowns last week for Birmingham. And then uh, I told you right before we come on here, the the Memphis team signed Jamarcus Russell. Uh, arguably, the I saw Ryan Leaf, the biggest bust of all time um, <laughs> in the NFL. So, I mean, hey, he's got a cannon. Why well, not try it? But I like the rules, like the physical, Absolutely. like the hit. Yes. The guy got his the quarterback got destroyed, got his helmet went flying, and uh, well, well, picked it up. Yeah, it yeah, like it's a football, you know. <laughs> I like seeing that. It's, it's a it's a fun game. Uh, not a lot of commercials. Hey, that's you know, the rolls. biggest thing. It rolls. For me. So uh, I could see it being a really big thing. I would like to see them in the XFL try to make a merger. I think they'll have to. I don't think both leagues. It'll have to be kind of like Highlander. Only one can survive. Yeah, I mean, hey, somebody had an idea of. Uh, take those two teams yes. and play them against each other, top two XFL, AF teams, and then the winner play the worst NFL team. Hey, that's and promotion then, and relegation. Yeah. I talked about what soccer does. And then so you take then that worst if an NFL team loses, they drop down. They drop the down. Yeah, so the Browns are up. going down next year. <laughs> no, no, it's not the Browns anymore. <laughs> Baker's saving the franchise. You but, know, that's a big thing in, in, in soccer is uh, when you got the relegation zone, it, it makes it really exciting for those terrible teams, you yeah. know, and, and they'll start a big chant, you know, we're staying up, we're staying up to the other teams <laughs> just, who's going down. I don't see how the NFL doesn't get involved here and tries to relegate how it's played and how it's ran and run it as like a developmental league because um, you, you're going to have a lot of guys trying to use this as a, as a platform to get to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in America. I mean, just you know, it's not the Canadian Football League where they don't really care about what's going on up there. There's going to be some good players in this league and trying to make a – a living and, and hey, what if you're a um, you know a, a sophomore in college and you want to go to the pros and they won't take you yet because you got to have that third year? Why don't you go play for the AA? Very good point. Very you good know? point. I don't know what the rules are. Will, there, they, will they make a rule where yeah. you have to be a so, junior? But I do like that. There's no uh, there's no kicks like as far as field goals or no not field goals extra points. No extra points. Yeah, uh, like two, two points conversions only. Um, I love that uh, the onside kick is the fourth and twelve from the twenty-eight. I like seen that. that yet. Yes. You convert it. You get to keep it. Makes you know. it exciting. Yeah, you I have mean, to be down by seventeen or less in under five, under five minutes or something. Well, what's the conversion rate on an onside kick anyway? Ten percent, yeah, maybe if five percent. So, and then uh, you just, you you talking about before we came on here the mocked up referees, oh. the the replay official, the coaches. I love that. Imagine if you had a mocked up official for that Saints game. Mm. Uh, what, what we're doing here, you know. <laughs> so, I think it'd be interesting. That, and I, if I'm the NFL, because I think that's going to be such a hit that if I'm the NFL, if I'm Goodell, they they got to implement that, hey, that let's, let's immediately. Especially, I saw one play where it was a the, a catch. The ball hits the ground, Touchdown. but he yeah, still holds. Slid, yeah. He still holds on to it. Yeah. And originally, that lady up in the press box, she said no catch. She said that's not a catch. That he hit ball hits the ground. Then. They talk her into it. Yeah. Just wait a minute. Yeah. Kind of like, hey, let me watch this more. That's okay. That's yeah. okay. The ball yeah. doesn't move. So like getting it. to see that, that what, to me, that, that makes it even more of an incentive to stay at the house and not go to the game. Because you get I to see all there. that behind the scenes stuff. I, I agree there. And I wonder, and you don't know, I mean, unless you know somebody there, if they show that like on the Jumbotron, if they throw it to her yeah. on the Jumbotron, I mean, you get to see what she's talking about. Because that, that'd be great. You know, back several years ago, they wouldn't even show the replays in the Tennessee game. Yeah, if it wasn't going to go if, for them. If it, was, uh, if it was a close play and they were reviewing it, they wouldn't even show the replays on the Jumbotron. Yeah. And it's like, come on. Yeah, I'd, why are we paying this seventy dollars to get in here if you're not going to show us this stuff? I agree. Seventy dollars that was cheap. That feels like forever ago now. <laughs> but I I love it. I think it's a big thing. We'll have eight teams. 
Mm. Uh, they're talking about expanding. Ten, I believe it's 10 teams. 10. They're already talking about expanding, but like I said, if I was the XFL and the AF, I would get together and figure out how to merge. Mm, you, got, you, know, you got to. They've got eight teams, and you have 18 teams and figure it out. And um, Touching on the XFL just real quick, Bob Stoops is coaching the Dallas team. Hmm. I mean, so that's a big exposure, too, yeah. for them out of nowhere. But I think I, they should have stayed away from NFL cities. I agree. You know, go, go to cities that they, don't have NFL The AAF teams. is doing it right. San Antonio, Birmingham. Well, San, they Memphis. do have an Atlanta team. Yeah. But, but that most of their teams are like Memphis, Birmingham, yeah, and Orlando. I, and I kind of like that it's, it's not geared towards that state's college players, but it kind of is. Trent Richardson, Birmingham. Alabama. Yeah. You know, uh, makes sense. I mean, it's very smart to begin with. And a lot of these guys, after they graduate and they don't go play in the league, they stay home where they went to school at. So, be great. Um, I would love to see some more players. I'd love to see a lot of guys at the University of Tennessee. Tyler Bray Mm -hmm. would be a phenomenal AAF player. Mm -hmm. A phenomenal AAF player. And I'd love to see it happen. I mean, he's not going to play in the NFL. That's true. I mean, he's getting paid to play in the NFL. He's not playing. So, I don't know, but maybe it may for him just about the money. It could be. It could be for some people. Man, they just want to hey, hold that clipboard and get their paycheck. Rather than go out there and get hit all the time? Maybe so. Just so. keep your knees in good shape. But, you know, you don't want to wind up like old Alex Smith. That's true. You know, with your leg broken in four places. That's true. Because, so. I mean, some, some of these hits they took last weekend, you might go. Oh, God. They're pretty rough. But that's what I had. The AAF, a lot of fun. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, NFL Network, CBS on, on sometimes, and then a CBS Sports Network. Um, Check it out. It's hey, not you, not great football. It'll football. scratch that football itch. Oh, absolutely! If it's going to carry me into the, you know, they may even start up a uh, fancy football. They said they're going AAF to. They're going they're, to they're going to have to. They've got their own app, and they're going to do stuff like that with it. So pretty neat. That's a that's a good idea. Yeah. So uh, let's let's transition to last week on our last uh, episode. We talked about our favorite sports, and you know, we had some differences in our opinions about different things. So we decided to do a tri- a Twitter poll. Because they allow you to have four options on a Twitter poll. Yeah, not you Facebook first. and Instagram only allows two options. That's not a poll no, to not. me. That's, which which one do you like better? That's that's not a poll. So uh, at least Twitter gives you twice the amount of options. So still, I wish they would give you unlimited. You know, or maybe even up to ten. At least give you some options. So I was only allowed to put four options, and my four options were football, basketball. Baseball slash softball, since they are essentially the same sport, and soccer. And then uh, a teacher at the high school chimed in and said, uh, why did you not include competitive reading? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and I said, well, uh, it was a tough call between that and basketball, yeah. which one to put in. Yeah. But um, so my least favorite sport wound up being most people's favorite sport. Here's the, here's the results with a total of 81 people voting. Now, people did chime in. On when I posted it on uh, Facebook and, and Instagram, go hey, go vote in our Twitter poll. There were several people who chimed in with, you know, my favorite sport is baseball and stuff. But I'm just going to use the results from the Twitter poll. There was 81 total votes, including myself. <laughs> I voted too. So, but I voted for your worst one. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the results in uh, fourth place. My favorite sport, which turns out to be, and I would have you know guessed that to begin with. Most people's least favorite of the four was soccer. It only came in with 6% of the vote totals. Ooh, woof. Baseball, softball came in with 16% of the 81 votes. Football with 37%. And leading the way, basketball with a 41% of the 81 votes. If you ask that question again, probably in August, September, it'll be football. Be football, yeah. (laughs) 
It, it, it's possible. I mean, basketball and football, that is two most favorite sports yeah, in the in the, in the the country. Yeah, I agree. So basketball came away with the with the victory there. So uh, because of that, we're going to do another top five, uh, which is uh, something we're going to try to do each podcast from now on, is our top five favorite fill-in-the-blank. So since basketball uh, won, we're, let's do our top five favorite basketball players of all time. You want to start? Yeah, we're doing NBA, correct? Yes, so, NBA only. Number five is a tie for me between LeBron James and Paul Pierce. Now, let's let's make disclaimer this. It is top five favorite, not the greatest of all time. Right. Top five favorite. My favorite top five. Obviously, now there's six. But Paul Pierce and LeBron James, I'm a big Celtics fan. <clears throat> You'll see this trend here. Number four is a guy that I hate but have to respect. Kobe Bryant, mm. I got to see him courtside thanks to Rob Walker um, in Memphis one time. Row one, could reach out and touch him. He's phenomenal. Uh, all my opinions changed him that night. He talks, he played hard, he, he tried to be a leader, and uh, you could tell he was just a guy that didn't take any crap from anybody, and he thought he was the best player on the planet at, at a time. He was. Number three is, in my opinion, outside of LeBron, the greatest high school, well, I guess outside of LeBron and Kobe. The greatest high school basketball player to ever come in the NBA, Kevin Garnett, mm-hmm. uh, loved Big Ticket, uh, Minnesota. People people think of his Boston days, but when he played in Minnesota, he was a walking triple double. Um, played small forward at the time. Um, took him to the NBA Finals, I believe, maybe the Western Conference. It was the Western Conference um, in one year, and just the team sucked. He was that that kind of LeBron player then. Uh, number two, Dwayne Wade. Uh, people that went to school with me in high school know that that he, I was a big Dwayne Wade fan, still am. He's on the tour, the retirement tour this year. Uh, I've tried to catch a lot of games. Uh, Flash is still still the man, but number one always will be, always has been, uh, is Ray Allen. Mm. I hate Ray Allen from the Miami Heat when he teamed up with LeBron, but Ray Allen, uh, Milwaukee, uh, Seattle, and then at Boston um, could do it all. And he played in the celebrity game last night. Showed flashes of, you know, the old Ray Allen that could do it all. Uh, a lot of people, younger people especially, remember him as a shooter only because he was, I mean, he was a, he was a sniper. Um, but he could get, in his younger days, get to the rim anytime he wanted to. could dunk it. He could fly. Call him Jesus, Jesus Shuttlesworth. Uh, he was in, you know, he got game. So, yes, um, yes. you know, he's just a great player. And, and uh, boy, that, the release on that shot just, and uh, the only player has a quicker release is Stephen Curry. Mm. So, that's my top five. Ray Allen, by far, my favorite player of all time to ever play, followed closely by Dwayne Wade. What about you? All right, here's my top five. And as you said, it's favorite players, not who I think is the best players of all time. Number five, Allen Iverson. Oh, yeah. We're talking about practice. <laughs> We're talking about practice, man. And uh, the reason for that is when I was in high school, I think he was in college. Yeah, Georgetown. A few years ahead of me yeah. in Georgetown. And I had him on, you know, we did a uh, – uh, NCAA March Madness thing where we just drew teams out of the hat and I got Georgetown so I followed Allen Iverson that year and they come close yeah, to winning it eight or something. And, and they didn't but I was really following him so I kind of followed him from then on and he just had that you know, swagger like, oh he had a heck of yeah. a swagger yeah but that that's one of the best quotes ever we talking about practice. not a game not a game not a game <laughs> number four Reggie Miller he, he almost made my list oh when he gave Spike Lee that choke sign that was one of the best <laughs> best things I've ever seen uh, and he's a great player. I mean, he he was just uh, he was so anti 
you know, the New York Knicks when they, they were big him. time. Yeah, I hated him too. Yes. He's, he's seen a thirty for thirty, right? Yes, that's yes. great. If you haven't got a chance to watch that, so uh, just I really liked watching him. I like watching him just beat the Knicks down. <laughs> and he did a lot. He did a lot. Number three, this is an easy choice for me. I mean, it's Michael Jordan was one of the best players of all time, obviously. But and he was just so good, so easy to watch. And um, after a while, it kind of got you know boring, kind of. That's what, and that's why I didn't make my list. But um, I, I really did enjoy watching him. That was uh, when I was really watching basketball. I, I kind of quit after he quit. You yeah, know, I, I just kind of lost sure interest. Number two, um, Larry Bird. Man, Celtics, baby, let's go. So, you know, when I was a kid, the Lakers Celtics rivalry was big time, and and he was. The best white players ever played yeah, a game, yeah, you know. So, uh, and just how much he hustled, you know. He had to. He had to definitely. He wasn't the most gifted athlete no. on the court, but he outworked everybody else. And you know, that's that's kind of what I, what I tell uh, you know my little boy who playing basketball now is is you may not be the best player out there, but man, outwork everybody yeah, else. You I agree. Put the effort in. You rest when you get done. Absolutely. So Larry Bird's my number two, and then his nemesis is my number one. Magic? Magic Johnson. Uh, he was backer. so good. He well, was. He was just, um, the stuff he could do with the basketball, I don't think, you'd have to go back. People today just don't remember watching him, don't remember seeing him. How good he was with just no-look passes and just being so smart on the court. Everybody compares Jordan and LeBron. I don't do that. I don't, I don't like the pair players in general, but LeBron is more of a Magic Johnson player. Mm. Magic was that good, mm. and uh, LeBron is that good. But Magic is one. Of now, the, if I was doing top five best players, I would include LeBron. But just favorite, I yeah, just, yeah, I, I agree, I agree. You know, I see, and I, I and I just like I under, I get the narrative that he's a baby, and it's in the, and I get that. I'm I've, I've been in that narrative with him, but when you start looking, the dude made what is it, nine in a row Eastern Conference Finals. And, yeah. I mean, now this year, whew, uh, New Orleans really put the screws to them there, exposing them for uh, trying to trade everybody to fit, you know, please LeBron. But um, to do what he does is great. I mm-hmm. mean, really it is. But, yeah, I mean, if I was going top five, that's for another day, but it would be something to you'd have Magic, Michael, and LeBron. Yeah, all yeah let's, let's save that for yeah, another absolutely. episode. Absolutely. We'll do our top five best. Because we got somebody who wants to come in here and do that. Top five best. He said, he said I've got top five for NBA, <laughs> got my top five for college, and I've got my top five for Livingston Academy. I thought, man, how many top fives he got? So, yeah. uh, that's that, that's a good, uh, you know, you, you had some players that I really like, like Ray Allen. Um, he's, he's, he's a favorite of mine, yeah. too. Uh, he didn't make my top five, but I really like watching him. I so. hate him when he went to Miami so bad because they were such a rival. Yeah. You know, and then he just flips LeBron and goes, oh. uh, You know, uh, of course, I've never played professional sports. Uh, really? I've, always been a, I've always been a fan, but, you know, it just kills fans for a, a player from your favorite team to go to a team you hate. I'll tell you, a, a player, and I'm in a sport. I'm a big Boston Red Sox fan. So we win the, the series in 04, maybe it was, and then we won in 07. He might, I think he was on this team, too. Yeah. 04, I definitely remember that. So, 07, the next year, Johnny Damon yes. goes to the New York Yankees. How can you do that? I mean... And I'm thinking, let's, let's kill him. Yeah. Like, being hit, hit him in the head the, first pitch. What I was getting at there is, you know, I've never played sports, but just uh, professional sports, but does that not get... It does. drives you nuts. What do the players think when they do that? Well, I mean... I mean I'm, I'm sure it's the right... So, well, in Boston, I'm a big Celtics fan, so... In Boston, it was Paul, or it was Rajon, Paul, Ray, and Kevin Garnett. 
was the big four because Rajon come, come along there. Originally, it was big three of Ray, Paul, and Kevin. And then Ray left. And they've made it like public. They don't speak to him. Well, you, you would hope that there would be some kind of loyalty stuff. Though. Well, I mean, yeah. they always seem to get along, but then towards the end, you saw Ray kind of step out and start distancing himself because he knew he was not going to be there. You know, I've always thought that, too. That. Like, uh, you know, some of your big-time players, like Tom Brady, for example, take a pay cut to stay, and and the, everybody at, at your – everybody who's a fan of your team, they'll love you even more. If you say, hey, I'm going to stay well, here. like Russell Westbrook. Because I've got some, you know – I got some feelings for this town, for this team. I want to stay with this team. I'm not going to take the biggest well, money. Okay. Peyton Manning stayed in Indianapolis for forever. Yeah. Took cuts and took cuts and took cuts. And of course, he has the neck injury and they cut him. Yeah. But he would have retired there. Sure. Sure. You know? Now, I, I don't. I didn't have a problem with what he did. Yeah. No, you know, no. They cut him. They they, they did that. The, and they said, we're going to take luck and right. sure. give you an opportunity. So, he that was fine. He was a free agent. Yeah. He'd go where he wants to. But if, if you're just, if you go crosstown rival. I just don't. I just I don't. I can't stand that. I can't. Nope. No. Not cool. Uh, like, uh, yeah. I, I got one thing here. So uh, of course I've mentioned many times that I'm a big soccer guy. So I'm going to keep uh, pounding that to death. So I found a a team that should be everybody in Overton County's favorite team, and its name is the Livingston Football Club. Let's go. <laughs> they are in scotland they're then they're currently in ninth place in the, so not very good, in the scottish first division well they're not worse they're not dead last but uh livingston football club how about that everybody needs to get on that bandwagon and follow them uh, that should be everybody's favorite soccer team right off the bat they're, they're not blue and white they're like black and yellow but still uh, they got the name livingston so you can't can't go wrong there any any other uh any other sports you want to mention? Uh, just uh, Tennessee Vols play Kentucky tonight. Oh, what a game. That's, That's going to be. be a monster game. I don't think that Kentucky's as good as advertised, but they're a good basketball team. If, if Tennessee's going to lose a game, this is the one to lose. <laughs> well, I said I, I said that or not. I tweeted out that uh, I thought that LSU, and not because of the result, but I thought LSU was more of a danger to Tennessee because of the length mm. that they have and the way they rebound the basketball. Um, I think we match up well with Kentucky. Jordan Bowden, Jordan Bowden, Lamonte Turner have been so good this year. I don't expect them to be anything but good tonight. Uh, and Grant and Admiral, uh, Admiral skipping out of the court last week, cracked me up. But, hey, Tennessee's got a chance tonight. Don't you know they're they're the number one team in the country. They may be a dog in the game, but uh, I'm glad you said that. They got a chance. I think Reese Davis this morning, and, we, and we'll close this segment says. Duke is the best team in the country. They're unbeatable. They've lost twice. Yeah. How? I mean, if they're unbeatable, how have they lost twice? So, Good point. I mean, come on now. And they look, I almost lost the other night at Louisville. So, I mean, Tennessee's not an, an unbeatable team. Nobody really ever is. They've got their weaknesses, but uh, they've played good basketball so far, and I love it that people hate them. I love it that people hate their fans. It makes me inject that into my cardboard vein. Okay, <laughs> let's go. So, excited. All right, I think that's going to do it for this uh, week in the world of sports outside of Livingston Academy. And we'll be back to uh, have a conversation with our special guest this week right after this. Thank you for listening to the Hog Eye Sports Show. Today's episode is being brought to you by the host's two favorite words to say on the show. And those are, uh, and you know. And now, uh, Back to, you know, the show. And we're back on the Hog Eye Sports Show. And 
Uh, this week, I sat down with former Livingston Academy basketball player and current Hillham Elementary School basketball coach, Jeremy McLaren. And so here is that interview. And I'm here today with uh, former Livingston Academy basketball player and current Hillham Elementary basketball coach, Jeremy McLaren. Jeremy, welcome to the Hog Eye Sports Show. Hey, thank you, thank you. Glad to be here. So uh, let's talk some about, you're a big basketball guy. Let's talk some about uh, your, your, your career in basketball. How did, y'all get, how did you get started in basketball? Um, well, they sent letters home one day. I was at A.H. Roberts attending school, and this letter comes across through the classroom at the time. I was in fourth grade, so I've been in Miss Janie Byers' class. And it was advertising uh, the Junior Pro League in Overton County. And I took the letter home to my parents and said, hey, I'd really like to try this and play basketball. And, of course, they were shocked just because, like, I never played sports up until that point. And, well, they said, if you want to try it, the number one rule is if you start it, you can't quit. And I said, well, I really want to do it. So they took me and signed up for junior pro, and I was in fourth grade. And uh, that's where it all began. I played junior pro for uh, Mitch Copeland and, and Robbie Ledbetter and um, – uh, I remember playing at the Alpine Gym, mm. and uh, we played for Livingston Regional Hospital. Had uh, lots of great teammates on the team, I, I, lots of people that I, I grew up and was friends with. And uh, then from junior pro there, I just continued on into school basketball. And At Livingston Middle? Yeah, uh, so from A.H. Roberts, that's, that's a good part to get into. From A.H. Roberts, I went to LMS 5th through 7th grade year. And then uh, my eighth grade year, I decided, uh, just different lots of factors involved, to uh, move to Allen's Elementary. And I do want to say that decision changed my life. Uh, The people that I I grew and played basketball with at Allen's Elementary, those are still to this day some of my best friends. Uh, We communicate. We talk to each other all the time. Uh, we were in each other's weddings. We, I mean, it just changed my life, uh, that decision I made. And it wasn't purely about basketball. It was just something that we wanted to do uh, when my family and I discussed it. So I played my eighth grade year at Allen's Elementary. And from there, I went on to Limston Academy. I played at Limston Academy from 05 to 2008. Uh, and that's where my career basketball-wise ended. My family, we didn't really have the, the knowledge of you know, submitting videos and, you know, really marketing myself. Uh, my family has never done that. I was, you're talking to a kid who's first generation basketball player, sports player of any kind in his family, really. And so I didn't really pursue that as much. Uh, another reason for that is I started coaching my junior year in high school with the junior pro league. Uh, Mickey Ledbury asked me, hey, do you want to, you know, help out with the team? And so that's where my coaching career started when I was a junior in high school in 2007. Yeah. I coached a fourth and fifth grade group. And so actually, I'm, I'm going to be honest, from that point there, I fell a lot more in love with coaching than I did playing. And uh, I tell this to everyone, as much as I loved playing, and, uh, you know, in terms of that, I'm, I feel in my heart, you know, that I'm a much better coach than I ever was as a player. And, and the part of that, you know, is also because I'm a teacher. I teach algebra one at the high school, Livingston Academy. And uh, I've just – that's meant a lot to me over the years of, of getting to do that. So, no, my, my basketball playing career ended in 2008 at the state tournament in Murfreesboro when we got put out. And that's 
We'll talk about that later. That's a, that's a toughie. So. So let's talk about your Livingston Academy playing career. Uh, you said you started uh, the 04-05 season, uh, and and that was was that Danny McCoyne's last year as coach. That was Danny McCoyne was the head coach, and the assistant coach was Dustin Whitaker. Uh, so we were on uh, all freshmen. We were on the JV team. Uh, out of all the people that tried out that year, it was me, uh, Todd Smith, and Brad Jolly played that year. Uh, a tremendous year. In terms of, you know, learning, trying to adjust from middle school to the high school level. And, uh, yeah, Danny McCoyne decided to retire at the end of that year. And then Richard Melton was hired uh, in 2005. So he was the 2005-2006 coach for that year. And then he was my coach for the rest of my career from 05 to 08. Um, um, Livingston Academy boys basketball was uh, pretty good in that time frame, right? Yes, yes. Um, in fact, you and I were just discussing, we were talking about you know, between my sophomore and senior year, we only lost two district games. Uh, the year before that, if you count my freshman year, it was only three district games. We went undefeated in the district my senior year. And just to kind of put it in perspective, I mean, I, I, there's some numbers I definitely remember. I remember beating Upperman my senior year. Uh, our team just crushed them that year. It was 82 to 52. I mean, it was wow. just a sound yeah. defeat. Uh, so, yeah, that group – um, so me and Todd Smith were seniors, uh, Chase Dunn, Devin Ramsey, TJ Smith, and, you know, those were our underclassmen at the time. Um, lots of great games, lots of great basketball. And, you know, one of the big things that in me stands out is we, we were all, you know, like I said, great friends. We played all the time. Um, you know, practice would end, and then we'd want to go play pickup at the church down the road or something. So – yeah, great time for basketball at Livingston Academy in terms of boys basketball. And in 2008, especially, that was there was a been there had been a dry spell of trying to get to the state tournament, trying mm-hmm. to get over that regional mm-hmm. hump and uh, the semi semi regional game. And we finally were able to do it in 2008 because uh, we we kept running into Station Camp. <laughs> uh, we played them my junior year and then also senior year and. That's when John Jenkins was at Station Camp, and he went on to play at Vanderbilt, SEC player, uh, amazing uh, player. And so we were able to get past uh, him and Station Camp 2008 to finally get back to the state tournament after that kind of a dry spell. So and it, it, was, it was a good push. And uh, we talk all the time when you talk about basketball. Sometimes it just takes that, that one thing to kind of get you going. And, you know, from that time, you know, we went in 2008, uh, Chase and all them, the senior year, Devin and all them, 2009. And then and it kind of, it's a process, you know, these young kids watch you. And so then right after that, you got kind of like uh, Mason Ramsey, Brock McCoin, and mm-hmm. 2011 and 2012 and just pushing there. And and so and, and, and you can almost look that – and it traced it up to the day. You know, we got a great basketball team right now currently, and uh, they were number one in the district. So I'm really proud of those guys. Yeah, since 2005, Livingston County Boys Basketball has had a really great uh, really great run. Uh, yeah. Lots of uh, first-place district finishes and state tournament appearances. It's been a really great great time for Livingston County Boys Basketball. Yes. So uh, let, let's talk about when you played. Who was, who was the team that you really wanted to beat? It <laughs> – that changed all the time. I tell you this, I know no matter who we played, they wanted to beat us. I, I, I definitely know that no matter who we played, we were definitely under the impression that we were going to get the best of whoever we played. 
Um, some of the biggest rivals just that come to my mind, though, uh, was Uppermen. We always wanted to make sure that we beat Uppermen. Uh, sometimes York, and in York, especially because of the, the environment, mm-hmm. one of the hardest games to play in high school, at least in this district, in my opinion, is playing at York at York. Mm-hmm. That's a tough environment. Um, but it, and as far as the district go, that kind of was where we stood at. Uh, so today, who, who do you feel like is, uh, is the biggest rival overall? Uh, we've asked a lot of our guests on the Hog Eye Sports Show here. Who, who do you feel is the biggest rival that Livingston County plays? I think traditionally, I think traditionally, I would say York, York uh, High School. Um, but again, in the current times, at least just how I felt when I was playing and you know watching them and being there, it's hard to lose to Upperman. So I, I it, those two those two teams keep coming back. If I had to pick one over the other, I'd say right now I think a lot of people will get a lot of joy of being able to put a win over Upperman any day right now. So that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah, we we've discussed this several times in our show. I even did a Twitter poll, and Upperman came out on top. Yeah. Uh, on the poll, but a lot of the older people, I think a lot of the older school generations still see York as the big rival. Right. But I think with the younger generations, it it has changed to Upperman. They make it so easy to uh, to, <laughs> to dislike. Yeah, them. they definitely <laughs> they definitely encourage the competitive side of you for sure. But as as we saw the other night when the Livingston hosted York, boy, York brought a crowd. Yes, uh, in fact, I was actually telling some of my friends and uh, some of the people that I was talking to in the stands. The the York game the other night at L.A., you know, of course that was a big game for those boys because that sealed in terms of putting you in first place mm-hmm. for the district. And so uh, Cody Ray, Matthew Sells, Caden Jones, Mitchell Ayers, all those guys, um, very, very big props to them. And I was telling some fans and, you know, friends that it felt to me like almost like a sub-state game. Mm-hmm. And there is nothing, nothing better than a home subset game. There's yeah. no game, and I, I'm even talking about you know college things and things like that. There's just nothing better than having a local hometown subset game. And that game the other night, that's kind of how it felt. There was just a, such a huge crowd, and it was back and forth, mm. and both both crowds were into it. And so I was really glad to be part of. It and be in the gym during that time. And it was great to come away with a big win. Over yeah, there. yes, definitely. I mean, you can't, can't beat that. All right, so let's uh, let's transition. You've been coaching. So you said you started your, your junior year of high school? Yeah, I was a junior year in high school. So I was 17 when I started coaching. And like I said, I coached fourth and fifth grade junior pro. And uh, so I started there. I did that for I, – I, I do that now. I, I love helping – uh, kids in our community fall in love with basketball. Uh, I feel like basketball, in certain ways, you know, it kind of saved my life in certain ways. It kept me out of trouble. Uh, it, you know, it gave me, like I said, I, I said earlier, and I've said many times, it gave me a lot of friends in my life. It gave me a lot of opportunities. And uh, so I continue to do junior pro. I teach, I coach kindergarten and first grade uh, junior pro kids even to today. And that's, that's got to be a, a lot of fun. Oh, it is. It is. And so when you go from coaching teenagers, it, it definitely keeps you mindful of where they come from and the beginnings. And it keeps you thinking about all those fundamentals. And so I really enjoy it a lot. And, and it's it's so much fun, really. Uh, but I was coaching junior pro and uh, in 2012. 
I graduated from Tennessee Tech University and got my first job teaching in Shelbyville uh, at Harris Middle School. My wife was uh, going to school in Nashville at the time, so we that's a time in our lives we moved to uh, be down in that area to help her finish out her school. She went to Belmont University. So as she was doing that, I worked in uh, Shelbyville. I also did one year in Williamson County. And yes, and during that time, so I spent three years in Shelbyville. Uh, I coached the boys. I helped coach the boys basketball team down there. Uh, so that was sixth through eighth grade middle school basketball. And then I taught, uh, I, I left uh, Shelbyville and when got I, I was able to get a job in Williamson County and I taught there. I coached one year of sixth grade girls basketball. And Williamson County basketball is a little bit different because it's all in county. And, of course, they're big. It's a big, big place. Mm. And so they had their own separate sixth grade team, and I coached them for one year. Mm. And then I would have stayed in Williamson County till the day I die because it was such a great, great place, uh, environment to coach, teach, and all those things. But the opportunity opened up because my wife graduated. Uh, she's doing occupational therapy. And then a math job opened up at Livingston Academy, Algebra 1. And my wife and I made the decision to come back home, and I've never regretted it. I, we love being back home. Uh, my blood runs blue. I love Livingston. I was born in Livingston Regional Hospital. I'm, an, I'm a legit Livingston <laughs> kid. And... Um, Haga all the way, yeah. and so it was great to come back home. And then when I got back home, I was just teaching algebra one for a few weeks. And Coach Bruce Lamb came to my door one day and said, "Hey, we would really love for you to think about maybe coaching up at Hillham. They need a coach." And so I went and met with Kim uh, Dillon. The job was still open to coach boys basketball. In fact, at the time, both boys and girls were open. Uh, but Coach Melanie Staggs took the girls' team, and Kim Dillon hired me on to be at Hillham for the boys' basketball team. And I've been there. Uh, we just wrapped up our season uh, not too long ago, a few weeks ago. And so I've been there for three years now. So all in all, I've coached uh, seven total years mm-hmm. in school basketball, uh, but I have been doing it for a little bit longer than that. Um, and I love it more now than I ever have. <laughs> and so uh, – I tell my wife all the time, it drives her crazy, but I tell her all the time, I guess I'll be doing it to the day I die. <laughs> I mean, I really do. It is so so uh, uh, I'm a Hillham guy. Let's, let's talk a little bit about Hillham basketball. The, the boys had a pretty good year this year. Yes, I, I cannot say enough. I mean, we'd be here till midnight for me talking about how proud I am of them. They put all the all the work and time that it takes to become – a great basketball team, and so yeah, we finished with a great season. Uh, they ended up being twenty-one and five. Uh, we won the Overton County Championship this year, which is always. I, I tell my kids this: that's always the main goal mm, is to sure. to win the Overton County Championship. Anything else beyond that's icing on the cake. But uh, they pulled in a win. That's the second time in school history, and they. Like I said, they put the work and time into it to do what was uh, needed to be done. And they were the group that won this year. They were the group that I had when I came into the job. They were sixth graders. Mm. And so it's been really great to watch them it's, grow yeah. through that. And, sure. Uh, so, yeah, very proud of them. Very, very successful season. And then uh, going on past uh, Overton County, they, they did pretty well in the, the – 
postseason tournament, I guess you would call it. Yeah, uh, the James C. Hill tournament, which is one of the oldest middle school state tournaments in Tennessee. Uh, yeah, we went down there, and of course we're in a Class A division. There's four classes down there, and Hillham, of course, is no big school. I mean, we have about 300 or so students between kindergarten and eighth grade, so we're in the Class A division. And so, yeah, they were very, very successful down there as well. Uh, we went on to get to the state championship game. Came up a little bit short in the final game. Ended up getting state runner-up. But at the same time, one game doesn't define a team. I, I was so proud of all the, the body of work that they've put in this season. Um, like I said, just came up a little short there. We really couldn't uh, knock down some shots. that we had. We had a lot of opportunities, but – it was just one of those games where nothing was falling and the other team just seemed like they couldn't miss. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was sure. one of those things where the, yeah. they were throwing up anything going in and uh, just came up just a tad short there. It was 54-43, uh, to 43, the final score. Um, but, again, so proud of the things that they've done this year. Uh, you also uh, took over the uh, Hillham uh, Elementary Girls. Uh, what is it different coaching boys and girls? Is it basically the same? Is there – well, in terms of basketball, I, I use this analogy a lot. I wouldn't say the analogy, but I, would do, I do say, like, the the game itself, the concept is the basketball's got to go through the hoop. Mm. And then, you know, on the defensive side, you got to stop them from scoring. So in terms of the game itself, it's not different. Um, I do feel like it is a general trend that because – uh, girls have to play more on the ground. They have to play a little more fundamental, and that's kind of always been the, the concept. They're, they're a little bit more fundamental sometimes. Uh, but in terms of coaching them, uh, there's a tad few things different, uh, but but not much. They uh, And I've, I've really enjoyed that. Halfway through the season, I did have to take in and become the head coach of both teams, and it's been a very rewarding thing for me. Uh, of course, it is a little more time put on put on me, but at the yeah. same time, like I said earlier, I love it. And so those kids at Hillham wouldn't trade them for the world. Great, great kids who work hard for what they do. So, so let's talk about something uh, that you, you said it was the first time ever this year, right? You uh, got a little uh, excited maybe during a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've had a <laughs> – I've had a few technicals. Uh, there was a game we had traveled to DeKalb County West to play a game, and um, and that's something else in terms of that I've had to learn as a coach. And I, I, I continue to love the game and study the game. And and now that I've I'm coaching both teams, I've had to really learn um, to definitely try and separate the games. Well, this was one of the f- kind of the few games in the beginning where. The girls' game didn't go so well. We, we had a big lead, and we just didn't get some things fall our way in the fourth quarter. And um, and the ref, uh, it's just it's one of those things. We just I didn't, I didn't feel like we were getting you know fair calls, I guess is the best way to say it. And I kind of let that bleed into the, the, the boys' game. And, and as a coach, I shouldn't let that happen. And so, yeah, uh, it's one of those times I got a little excited and – in my opinion, the only thing the ref did really well that night was she ejected me. <laughs> and uh, so it was one of those times you kind of have to reevaluate, think about it, um, try to get better at what you're doing and not let things like that get to you. But, yeah, I had to had to walk out that night and watch from the glass. And, that's, and of course, it was a cold night that night, too. It was about 30 degrees outside, and here I am standing outside and watching. So, 
do you think as a coach, uh, I guess you're the first, well, uh, uh, Wade Eldridge, we had him on. He, he was a coach. But do you think uh, as a basketball coach, getting a technical foul called on you fires your team up? It can. Uh, there's certain situations I feel like it could do that. Um, of course, that's also the conversation. It could backfire. Mm, could sure. shut them down. Sure. I did hear from a coach one time uh, many years ago uh, when I was coaching in Shelbyville, and the guy that I helped out in Shelbyville, he was from Memphis. And he said one time that unless he got a technical in the very beginning, his team had a hard time getting motivated. Mm. And um, in terms of like if it was a big, big game and – and so he said one time to kind of play an intimidation factor, he had the team run through the other team's run out, you know, so they – what you're not supposed to do, you got to run, you know, to the sideline. You can't go and around them. Mm. Well, he told them to ignore that and just run through the middle. And so they had to spot a technical. And he said, so we spotted them two points. But he said my girls were never more fired up than that moment right there, just trying uh, to be intimidating and a little psychology coming. Yeah, in play, a little bit huh? of that coming through, and um, <clears throat> you can some some coaches look at that as you know a tactic, and some say ah, it doesn't work. And uh, for me, I, I've seen it where it, a technical kind of does fire up a kid maybe once or twice, but in the long run, though, does it make much of a difference in the outcome? Probably not. I'd say. Hitting free throws and rebounding makes more <laughs> outcome oh, than a technical. Sure, but. sure. Uh, I'll go back to something. You said you you currently coach uh, kindergarten and first grade and junior pro. Right. So I want to ask you this question. Who walks with the basketball more, kindergarten and first graders or NBA players? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, NBA, NBA may have them. I don't know. NBA may have them. Kindergartners, I'll tell you what they'll love to do. They, they like the double dribble more than the walk. Sure, sure. They'll dribble a little bit, pick it up, and think, oh, what do I do now? And dribble again. <laughs> so um, um, so we, we had a discussion on our last uh, episode, our top five favorite sports. I'm going to guess, would basketball be your number one favorite sport? Oh, yes. Yeah, I, and I said earlier, I still study the game. Um, I go to clinics. I watch – I drive my wife crazy when we watch a college basketball game. Of course, I watch it in the very beginning. I watch it live for the fun and enjoy it. But then I record it, and I will um, – I'm not playing. I will watch it frame by frame mm. to study the game, to see what other coaches are doing, to plays and things like that. And, and then, of course, like I said, I also research, try to find drills, try to find things that will help kids become better. But, yeah, basketball is definitely my number one. My number two, actually, when I was in Williamson County, I also coached. I was assistant coach for baseball. Mm. I've never played. I never. I've watched it, but I've never played. And so when they asked me to coach it, they really just wanted somebody there to kind of, kind of be, be like a team manager. I guess is the best way to say. It. I loved it, and I learned so much from it. Um, it's definitely a lot slower game than basketball, mm. but. Yeah. I enjoyed so much about it and learning about cutoffs and how you need to hit the ball in certain placements. and So I loved baseball. Uh, third, I love hockey. Predators fan? Predators, big Predators fan. I've been to a few games. Uh, I can't watch it on TV, yeah, but I can, I can watch it live anytime. Hockey. When I started looking at hockey, and of course because of my basketball coaching brain, I guess, you start watching hockey and you start studying these other sports. Hockey is very, very similar to basketball. They do a lot of screens, cuts, mm -hmm. passes, and assists. And so uh, that's pretty cool. So hockey's there. 
Uh, four and fifth, I, I'm not sure. Those are my top three. I, I watch those a lot. I love golf. I can't play it, but I do love it because it's so – nobody realizes, but golf is hard. It is it's hard. so many mechanics to Very it. Very hard. So I, I, I really – Respect people who play that. I love to run. Now, I, I, this is something I didn't mention, but I also did cross country for a short time in high school uh, in 2006 and in 2007 for a little while. I, I love to run. I, I, I used to, we used to run a lot back when I was in high school. I can't do it as much anymore. I wish I could. I, I need to get back to it. Um, but once you, once you start running, uh, there's something about it. You kind of get like, you know, if you get going and get into the habit of it, if you miss a day, it just kind of really messes with you. So, uh, I definitely love doing things like that. Which one do you like better, college basketball or NBA? College basketball, um, for sure. Uh, I, over the years, though, especially with coaching, I've kind of grown to appreciate and respect NBA more. When you, if you would have asked me that six or seven years ago, I would say like NBA is, you know, not worth watching. You just need to watch college basketball. Ah, that's kind of changed for me over the last few years, because NBA, you know, you're thinking about those guys are the elite. Mm. I mean, those guys are the best players on the planet, mm-hmm. and so sometimes the things that they do, you know, when you're watching it, some people say, well. You know they're they're they don't hustle they don't you know they don't work hard they don't do this that they don't they don't move they don't it's just kind of one v one and well at the end of the day those guys are the best players again on the planet and there's certain reasons why they have to do the things that they do because of how good they are I mean it's not like you can um, it's not like you have to focus on one player you know all five on the court sure. can knock down shots score dunk or, I mean do all kinds of things and so. I continue to watch college basketball and enjoy it more, though, because it, to me it's one of the purest parts of the sport. you got kids and uh, coaches playing to not only just keep improving so they can get to the NBA or whatever it may be, Europe League or something, uh, but those coaches are trying to always develop new defensive strategies, offensive strategies to improve the game, to make the game more exciting to make the game. I mean, just all kinds of things involved there. And and the game has changed uh, over the last six years. You know, back when I played, there was still a lot of value in having a big post player who can play with his back to the goal, uh, dump that ball inside and make him do some up and under moves, make him do some things on the block and get that two-pointer in. And then, of course, that's kind of come from tradition. You know, you think about watching Kareem and uh, Bill Russell and Wilt, and, you know, they would catch the ball really down low and turn and get that nice little two-point shot in, great basketball players. And then uh, Kevin McHale later on, you know, and the game's kind of transformed in the last five or six years. Uh, it's gotten a lot more emphasis on the three-point line, and mm-hmm. so either you can hit a set three and layups and things like that. So I've enjoyed just in my short time watching how the, the game is progressing and I think it's one of the few sports that does that. Um, so I, I've been really glad to see that. Uh, definitely, if I had to pick, though, I love college basketball. Uh, some of my player, some of my favorite players right now in the NBA, though, I'm a Boston Celtics fan. Mm. <clears throat> I always have been. There, were, you know, Memphis Grizzlies didn't exist when I was a kid. Sure, sure. So uh, it was a Celtics fan. Uh, I love Jason Tatum. I think James Harden is, in my opinion, one of the best offensive players I've ever seen. 
uh, he's almost into a point where he cannot be guard guarded. And so, um, so those two players right now are one of my favorites. Who who are you picking for the uh, March Madness? Who, who you gonna who you gonna go with? Well, Duke is my team, <laughs> uh, and uh, that that kind of stems from. Coach Melton was my eighth grade coach at Allen's, and then, like I said, he moved up to Livingston Academy in 05, and he was my high school coach. And so that kind of gets influenced by him. I, he loved Duke, and so that's up until that point, I'd not watched much college basketball, and so kind of fell in love with it that. And then, you know, as I grew older and learned about Coach K, mm. no one can you model better off of being sure. a good person, good character, good coach than him. Yeah. So I, I'm a Duke fan, and that that strikes a lot of <laughs> hatred from a lot of people in certain areas. Like for example, my brother, he's a he's a UNC fan, so we're a house Ooh, divided. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, but um, I think Duke will be in the Final Four. They their freshman class uh, is amazing. Of course, everybody can't rant enough about them. Uh, Zion Williamson, though, to me. He's one of those players. I think he's changing the game, and he's just—he's a monster, um, and can do all kinds of things. He can shoot, dribble, uh, things like that. I think Tennessee is extremely well this year. I think they'll be in the Final Four as well. And uh, and right now, the other two spots, in my opinion, are very open to me. I definitely think Tennessee and Duke's there. Hmm. Uh, the other ones, uh, we'll see who steps up. That'd be a big game, Tennessee versus Duke. The Final oh, Four. that'd be—it'd be nice. It'd be nice. Uh, another team to watch out for, I love Marquette. They've been doing some really good things. I, I personally met the coach from Buffalo. Hmm. Um, I was at a basketball clinic and met him, uh, and he's doing some phenomenal things up in Buffalo. Better watch out for them. And you know what you're going to see a lot more because of the one-and-done type error? You're going to see a lot more teams like that UMBC team who upset Virginia last year. When these other teams keep these players who keep playing sure, together over sure. two or three years, you're going to see a lot more teams like UMBC, Loyola, Chicago, and people like that. And so I, I'm interested to watch teams like that and see what they can do to up make the upsets because those, those are the favorite games to watch. Uh, let, let's talk about one more thing uh, on our last uh, podcast episode. We, we mentioned, me and uh, Josh Scott, about maybe creating a Livingston Academy Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, just from any sport, don't have to be football. You know, there's a Livingston Academy Football Hall of Fame. So, uh, any, any nominees that you think should be included in a, a Livingston Academy Sports Hall of Fame? Uh, well, first, I'd like to say I think that is a tremendous, great idea. Um, in terms of basketball, we've had the Thousand Point Club and. I have lots of respect for that. I mean, that's, you know, to get on that board is an extreme accomplishment. I was nowhere even close to that. It wasn't my role. Uh, my role was to, you know, rebound, outlet, set the screens, play good defense. And my job and as when I was a player wasn't to score. That wasn't my job. And I knew that, and, I, and I'm proud about that because, you know, without my role, even though it's hard for people to see that role, mm -hmm. my role contributed to the overall team success. And, so I can't commend enough having a uh, Livingston Academy Hall of Fame. You get to shine a light on a lot of other kids in other sports who have done phenomenal things. Mm -hmm. One of the best athletes that I ever knew was Caleb Lander, and he holds tons of records over here in track. Mm -hmm. You know, people like that. I mean, we got lots of uh, state record or school records over here that have been broken from track and things yeah. like that. Um, 
well, you and I were talking earlier, uh, Kat Nigro, yes. you know, went to UNC to play um, soccer. Yes. I mean, that's she. That's huge. I mean, she went on to Division One uh, soccer player, and she's great. And, I, and I'm big fans, uh, big friends with that family. I love them to death. And so, yeah, people like that, I think, deserve, you know, recognition in a certain way of, you know, Hall of Fame. And then also I'm a big a proponent on, you know, teams uh, like – you know, when you get a team in the Hall of Fame, I think any team who has made a big accomplishment for their community and their school yeah. should be recognized in a certain way. I mean, when you're talking about uh, the, the volleyball team in 97 who won the uh, state championship, I yes. think that's, to me, that's a tremendous accomplishment. Absolutely. So, yeah, things like that I think should be definitely in the Hall of Fame. Well, uh Jeremy, I want to thank you for joining us on the Hog Eye Sports Show, and uh, let's hope Hillham keeps uh, keeps plugging away for the next few years. Oh, yeah. Hey, and it's always great to continue to watch them grow and continue to watch them. Yeah, several of your yeah. former players are now on the Hillham or the Livingston County basketball team. Yes, and I cannot tell you enough how, how important that has meant to the kids at Hillham to watch some of those kids grow up and, and – and, push themselves to be on the high school team and that and that's tremendous for them um so yeah we, I, last year we had a few kids try out and we got three kids on the team uh, from hill am on the high school team as freshmen i'm so proud of those three sure. and um i'm really really excited to see how uh, the next few years go and well, hey we're going to continue to keep working and hey hopefully make uh, the Overton county championship um more of a tradition versus <laughs> two times be. in school history. So, as a Hillham alumni, I would love to see. Yeah, it. yeah. So, thanks for joining us, and hope we'll have you back on the show again soon. All right, thanks. All right, we want to thank Jeremy for coming on the show. He did a really excellent job. Uh, he was a, a former basketball player, and you know, he said there in his interview that uh, his his real passion is coaching. He started coaching when he was in high school, junior pro, over here at. Uh, uh, Livingston, and now he's the coach at, at Hillham, and, and what a job he did this yeah, year he, for Hillham. He does a great job, got them to the JCL finals this year. They finished a runner-up, so congratulations to him and those boys on that epic run there. Uh, does a good job with the girls um, as Absolutely, well. yeah, he so, took over that this year. Yeah. Uh, so let, let's hope he makes uh, Hillham being a perennial power in Overton County a regular event here in Livingston. That'd be, be terrific. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, shout out to the Rittman girls uh, yes. winning the state championship. Coach Misty Garrett and her girls. Um, that's a couple in the last few years for her, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the runner-up in that game, Livingston Middle School. So, yeah. congratulations to Coach Joey Williams and all his team as well. Um, you know, two girls teams right there in the state finals. Yeah. Got to figure that at some point. You know, they went two and two up. against each other yeah. this year. Yeah, played four but, times with them and two. But Rittman won the two important yeah. ones. Most so important ones. They the won the postseason games. games, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's good to see those two teams playing for state championship. Um, you know, That's got to bode well for the future. You think that would translate? Yeah. Of Livingston I mean, Academy girls basketball. The year we won a state tournament at Allen's, uh, Hillham had Michaela Brown. I uh, can't remember. Rittman had a couple of good players. Um, and then Livingston won a state championship as well. Mm-hmm. And that was Livingston's last district championship team. Wow. Know? So, um, you know, those kids, do they do – get those habits formed of winning and, and competing for championships early and uh, props to those coaches for instilling that in them. 
and congratulations on a great year. Yeah, let's hope I hope they keep it up and go back to some postseason uh, accolades again next year. Absolutely. All right, that'll wrap up this segment on the Hog Eye Sports Show, and we'll be back to talk Livingston Academy basketball right after this. Thank you for listening to the Hog Eye Sports Show. Did you know that 2019 marks 110 years of Livingston Academy High School? It was established in 1909 by the Christian Women's Board of Missions of the Christian Church. And now back to the show. And we're back on the Hog Eye Sports Show. And in this segment, we are going to recap and discuss some Livingston Academy basketball and also look ahead to uh, the Livingston Academy Boys versus Upperman District 8AA Tournament Championship game and look on to the region game that will be played at Durward Vaughn Memorial Gym uh, this Saturday, coming up Saturday. So, uh, first game that we will talk about since our last episode was recorded Pretty big-time rivalry game between Livingston Academy and York. This games, or both games, took place on Tuesday, February the 5th, 2019. So York came in on the girls' side with a 6-6 six and six district record, and the Livingston Academy girls came in with a 2-10 and 10 district record. And the Livingston girls had previously lost to York by 10 points uh, earlier in the season. So, uh, the Livingston Academy girls started off, uh, you know, not on the right foot again. They got behind at the end of the first quarter. They had only scored eight points to York's 14. And in the second quarter, they lost even more ground. Uh, they were having a lot of trouble guarding the Johnson girl from York. She's pretty good. She was, people, she was doing just about whatever she wanted to in that first half. And uh, so, at the end of the... Uh, second quarter, Livingston was behind by quite a big margin, 12 to 29. Uh, in the third quarter, Livingston played played pretty good. good. Basketball. Played, played pretty good. Basketball. They uh, they made a small run. Uh, uh, Hannah Hammonds had seven points all in, in, in the third quarter to give Livingston Academy a little bit of a boost and get them pretty close. Mm-hmm. Uh, they closed the gap a little bit, uh, but by the end of the third quarter, Livingston trailed 23 to 38. And then the fourth quarter, you know, Livingston kept putting on pressure, putting on steam, and got it to, to within seven, seven. points uh, at one point in time. But uh, in the end, they fell short and lost by nine points by a final score of 42-51. to 51. Uh, Leading scorers for Livingston Academy, they had two players in double digits, Haley Cronk and Hannah Hammonds. Both had 11 points. So it seemed like going inside worked pretty good yep. for them. Uh, you know, a lot of scoring on the, on the inside. Uh, other scores, uh, Colson and Gene, each with five, Asbury with four, and Webb, Shaw, and Hayes each had two points to give Livingston their total of 42 in the loss versus York. Uh, also that night, Livingston Academy boys in York. Is that, that, that a big game? I don't really remember. Game. Was that a, a pretty big it game? It was a big, big crowd, and that's the game, that's the game everybody came to. Absolutely. That was the biggest crowd of the year. No, definitely. No uh, question. So we had the... Uh, Two teams who were tied for first place in the district playing that night, Tuesday, February the 5th. Uh, Livingston and York both came in with a 10-2 and overall record in District 8AA. And Livingston had, had not played well versus York in the previous game. Up at uh, Jamestown, Livingston lost 38-55, to and that was the 
uh, lowest score Livingston Academy put up on the season, yep. those 38 points. So they just didn't play well at all. So kind of had maybe a little chip on their shoulder, wanted to uh, prove themselves against this team, and started off great. Livingston uh, was out by nine points by the end of the first quarter, 20 to 11. But then the second quarter, things didn't go so well. They they got behind, and uh, at halftime, Livingston trailed 28 to 31. Yeah, York just kept that was a, the way. That was a big quarter for York. Big quarter. Uh, in the third quarter, um, Cole Smith. Welcome back. Welcome back to Livingston, Cole. Uh, he... He fouled out of the game with a technical foul. Yeah, I don't know what he said or what he did. If anything, I don't know. It's poorly officiated basketball game, both both games, I thought. But, um, you know, we'll take it. But, I mean, you hate seeing good players. He's a good player. He was a great player when he was here, and he's a good player there. Um, but uh, you hate seeing their best, probably their best player go out in the third quarter. But not if you're a fan of Livingston. That's don't. true, that's true. <laughs> and the third quarter was a pretty tight quarter at the end of three. Uh, Livingston trailed by one point, 47 to 48. And then the fourth quarter, uh, some more technical fouls. Had a double technical on McDonald from Livingston and Lefew from York. Battle of the quarterbacks. Yeah. QB1's going at it there. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of uh, fouls, fouling out in the game, Ayers fouled out for Livingston. Cole Smith, Lefew, and Meadows all fouled out for uh, York. So, a lot of fouls called in this game. But uh, Livingston was able to uh, to come up big in the, the closing seconds of the uh, fourth quarter, and they wound up winning the game by four points over the big rival from York, 72-68. to 68. Uh, Matthew Sales showed out in this game. He had a total of 31 points. Uh, next high scores for Livingston, Ray and McDonald each with 12, Jones with nine, Ayers with six, and Carwile with a bucket. To give Livingston their their total of seventy two. I've sent you some notes on that game. I'm trying to go back and think, but um, right off the top of my head, uh, Caden Jones was amazing um, that night. Um, so was uh, Carwell. Yeah, Carwell came in and played played well. Yeah, he uh, the the way he came off the bench and, and was able to to spell um, spell layers there was I thought was one of the biggest differences in the game. Of course, then you have uh, Matthew doing his thing, and and uh, then you have Will McDonald making jump shots that uh, that we needed to go in. Absolutely, so. yes, he's come on big this year. Having that inside presence has really helped. Having him and Ayers both, yep, uh, step up big time has helped Matthew Sales and Cody Ray, who are the the major scorers, uh, help them out a lot. Yep. So that's a big win for Livingston Academy to defeat York. That put them uh, alone at the top of the District Eight AA standings. And all they had to do was beat Cannon County on Thursday night, February the 7th, to secure first place in 8AA. So we'll move to uh, Cannon County versus Livingston. Cannon came in um, in the girls' game with a 4-9 and nine district record, and Livingston's record in the district was 2-11. and 11. Uh, L.A. had lost to Cannon at Woodbury 33-54 to 54 earlier in the year. And this game was a defensive struggle in the first quarter. Five to three at the end of the first quarter. But then entered the seventh inning. <laughs> Gene didn't. Gene was the was the first Livingston Academy player to score a bucket. 
and she did that with five minutes and 30 seconds left in the first quarter. So they went. Five and a half minutes and left. Yeah. So uh, Jean had all five points, actually, for Livingston Academy in the first quarter. She's the only one to score in the first quarter. Um, and, you know, you would think five to three, there was no fouls called in that first quarter. So that was just a lot of bad basketball. I don't know. I don't remember exactly everything that happened, but uh, not a lot. So not a lot. Nothing to remember. So the first foul of the game was uh, with six forty-two left in the second quarter, on Cannon and Livingston didn't pick up their first foul for another minute. Five forty-two left to go That's in the crazy. first quarter. Only a total of six fouls in the first half. It's crazy. It's almost as many fouls as points. Uh, <laughs> yeah. At at the at halftime, uh, Livingston trailed by uh, six points, twelve to eighteen. So not a very high-scoring first half. And coming out in the third quarter, Webb, uh, Livingston made a run. Webb uh, hit two free throws to cut the uh, Cannon County lead down to just two points midway through the third quarter. And then Gene come up big with a three to give Livingston a lead in the third quarter, 25-24. to 24. But they were not able to keep that lead as Cannon was ahead by two points at the end of the third, 29-27. And then uh, once the game got down in the fourth quarter, to uh, it was pretty obvious that Cannon was going to come away with a win. I thought this was a great show of sportsmanship right here. Uh, you know, the ref even came over to the scores table and told uh, told Ralph, "Don't start the clock until uh, until the Rogers girl gets a chance to score." So that was I don't know what it was five or six seconds left, and uh, Amy Rogers checks in for the first time. And I mean, she did start the game, but that really didn't she didn't really do anything. But checked in for the first time since what November, December, whenever she hurt her hurt her knee, and she got the ball and was able to score the last bucket of the regular season for the Livingston Academy girls. She missed it though. First she did one. miss the first she's, one. She's, re- she's padding her stats. I don't blame <laughs> got a rebound too. How about Absolutely. that? <laughs> so uh, Livingston did wind up losing the game by five points, uh, by a final score of forty to forty-five. Leading scorer was Emily Jean with eight points. Webb, Hayes, and Cronk each had six. Shaw with four. Qualls and Colson with three. Hammonds with two. And as I said, Amy Rogers with the final two points of the regular season to give Livingston their their total of 40 on the night. Final eight AA standings. Livingston and Smith County tied for last place with two and 12 records. So they had to have a coin flip to see who wound up being eighth overall and Livingston lost that coin flip. They was the eighth seed in the tournament. But before the tournament starts, let's do the Livingston Academy Boys versus Cannon County Boys game played on Thursday, February the 7th. Uh, last time Livingston played Cannon, it was a close game, 62-60 to 60 down in Woodbury. So this was not a game you could overlook and just say, all right, boys are number one. They're going yep. to sweep the, sweep the floor with uh, Cannon and just, you know, Go right through them. Uh, and it was a close game for, uh, you know, the the first little bit. Um, I thought it was good that Kyle Allen got the start over Will McDonald. This was his uh, senior night game. And Kyle Allen played great. He he was the second leading scorer. He's a pretty good little player. For Livingston Academy. Yeah, um, university. Let's, uh, let's, so he actually scored the first two points. And actually, the first four points for Livingston Academy in the game, Kyle Allen did. Uh, at the end of the first quarter, Livingston Academy led 19-11. to 11. 
And something that happened in the uh, first quarter I want to mention is there was a technical foul called on Livingston Academy for an air horn in the students' section. Oh, my God. <laughs> they uh, they blew it once, and one of the referees, he was standing at the scores table, and, uh, the, of course, the opposing coach was like, that's technical foul. That's technical foul. And he said, oh, let's see if we can get it away from him. So he gave him a shot. He gave him a shot to, you know, of course, there was – the game administrator went over there and tried to get rid of it, and, but they weren't successful because they blew it again not 20 seconds later. And so they, they teed them up. Um, but, yeah, Livingston had a technical for that. I'm, we need to start going covert ops on other fan bases and dressing our kids up in their colors <laughs> and doing, like doing stuff like that. Like a bunch of people, take like 40 kids, one and one and one. Uh, Livingston Academy, uh, like I said, had the lead at the end of the first quarter, and they maintained that lead throughout the second quarter thanks to Cody Ray. He had a big first half, scored 13 points in the first half, and Livingston led by 10 going into halftime, 33-23. to 23. And then in the third and fourth quarter, Livingston just uh, just ran away with it. They went to on a 14 to nothing run to start the third That'll quarter. That'll help. <laughs> it definitely will. At the end of three, it was 62-34. to 34. So the game's, game's over at this Ooh. point. Uh, and, and Matthew Sales, uh, he went to the locker room, uh, some kind of uh, maybe head injury, I'm not sure what oh, it was. No. But he went to the locker room uh, either in the third or early in the fourth quarter, and he only wound up with eight points on the night. So we didn't, didn't need him. Didn't need him, yeah, that's a good Didn't thing. need him. Uh, and in the third quarter, Livingston outscored Cannon County 29-11. to 11. That's pretty good. That's a big Pretty good efficiency quarter. right so, there. I mean, yeah. you're ba- game's over by then. Yeah. Uh, so Livingston in the fourth quarter, they they put some uh, new players in, and wound up winning the game seventy nine to fifty. That's a big seventy nine points on senior night. It's pretty good. It's a big statement right there. Yeah. So uh, Cody Ray was the leading scorer on the night with twenty one points, and then as I mentioned, Kyle Allen coming in with the second highest total, fifteen points. Also, Caden Jones had fourteen points. Mitchell Ayers in double figures with ten points. Sales had eight, McDonald with six, Hollers with four, and Carwile hit a free throw to give Livingston Academy their total of 79. So final eight AA standings, Livingston in first place all alone, Upperman and York tied for second. So they had to have a coin flip, and I believe it was York who won the coin flip. Is that that right? I haven't looked at the... Oh, well, they played each other. Yeah, they played each other. Last night, I I think it was York that won the coin flip. I don't remember. I'd have to look at the bracket. I don't have it in front of me. Anyway, it we'll we'll talk about that that game here uh, soon. But so that was the way the regular season ended on a high note for the boys. And so district tournament play started the week after the the uh, Livingston Cannon County game, and uh, Livingston and Cannon girls right back at each other. They played on Thursday and then met each other on Monday, uh, February the 11th, in the uh, District 8AA first round of the tournament. And once again, Livingston just uh, was unable to handle Cannon County. They trailed at the end of each quarter. They were down 4-13 to 13 in the first quarter and just could never recover. Um, they cut it to five points midway through the third quarter, but that's as close as they, they got. And just was not able to, uh, not able to put up much of a fight against Cannon County. Leading scorer, 
Colson with 11, the only player in double figures. Webb had 9. Kronk with 7. Uh, Hayes with 4. Qualls with 3. Gene with 3. And Matty Shaw with 2 points to give Livingston their total of 39 as they lost to Cannon County, 39-54. to 54. And this ended Livingston Academy's season. Their final record, 9 wins, 22 losses. And they finished the year on a 10-game losing streak. Congratulations. Maybe the worst record at Livingston all time. Uh, I have to look. But, you know, that should make you want to work harder. Get back in the gym ASAP. Get on the court ASAP, whatever. And, I mean, I understand injuries and things are part of a part of the game. Not at Livingston Academy. That's not that's inexcusable. As a alumni, former coach there, big fan, a very loyal fan. And it's not going to point fingers at anything that's crazy. Just get back in the gym and work. Maybe I know that's Leslie's worst season ever. Yeah, get this taste out of your mouth. You know, yeah, every one like, of these players will be back next year. Yeah. And, of course, they'll have some freshmen coming in. But uh, they yeah. know how it feels like to lose. Let's let's get it and, and learn uh, what it feels like to win. We touched on earlier Livingston and Rickman girls, you know, are in the state championships. And James C. Hale. It means they're best, two of the best teams in the state of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that these kids all of a sudden just forget how to play basketball. I will say that the games that I watched this year, I felt like they didn't know how to play basketball. It was, it just, they would freeze in moments. Coach Real call play. Coach Sells them do something. Coach Jolly now tell them do something. They just kind of like during the headlines. They know the game. Get in the gym. Fix it because nine and twenty two is unacceptable. It should be unacceptable for them. Get to work. So, uh, that ended the Livingston Academy girls' season. The boys then had a tournament game on Friday, February the 15th. It was the District 8AA semifinal at Tennessee Tech's Hooper Evelyn Center. And they came in with uh, another opponent that Livingston probably didn't want to see again, Watertown. Yeah, good, good. Watertown's a good team, man. Uh, they may not have a great record. They only had a seven and seven record in uh, the District Eight AA season. You wouldn't but, know, but man, they play good. But at the beginning of the game, they didn't play so good. They just couldn't uh, couldn't could stop Matthew Sales to begin with. He had a and one on the first possession, uh, and he actually had Livingston's first seven Set points of the game. Set the tone. So Livingston was up by ten points at the end of the first quarter, twenty-one to eleven. Yeah, uh, and then. Um, Sales got his second foul early in the second quarter, and that was the only two fouls that Livingston had had called on them, both of them on Sales. So you thought, well, maybe maybe Miller's going to have to sit him so he don't you know pick up his third before halftime. He didn't. He played the entire first half, never never came out. There was only three fouls total called on Livingston in the first half, two on Sales and one on Cody Ray, I believe. Props uh, to Coach Miller there knowing how the game's been called and trusting your players. Uh, Hollers came in the second quarter and he had he, he made an immediate impact. He had two straight steals on two possessions, and then on his the next possession he had an assist. To uh, so he made his presence known as soon as he came into the game. Uh, Livingston just was playing great in the first half. They were up at one point by seventeen points, and you thinking, man, this game's over. Turn it off. Go to you know leave early. Go get your supper if you're down at at Tennessee Tech. If you're listening on the radio. You know, what's on TV right now because yeah. this game's over. Well, it wasn't because um, Watertown made a made a run. But to uh, <clears throat> Livingston was up by 17. They had an 11-4 to run to start the second quarter. But then Watertown 
they turned it around. They made a run and cut the, the lead back to nine points at, at, at the end of the first half. Uh, at the end of the first half, score was 34 to 25 after being down 17. Yeah. So they, they made a good run. Um, it's a very quick first half. There's only a total of six fouls called the entire first half. I like it. So they let them play. I like it. Letting them play. Uh, so third quarter starts. Uh, Cody Ray comes out and scores the first five points for Livingston Academy. Thinking, all right, here we go. And then Livingston goes on a walkabout. <laughs> Watertown had an eight to nothing run in the middle of the third quarter. Cut the lead down to six. Then they cut the lead down to four. And at the end of the fourth quarter, or at the end of the third quarter, Livingston led 41 to 37. Definitely a walkabout. Then the fourth quarter starts, and Watertown scores and cuts the lead down to two. And finally, Ayers hits a bucket to stop Watertown's lead, or Watertown's run. And you think, all right, here we go. We, we got, got stopped their lead, but then Watertown just doesn't stop. They get some offensive rebounds. Um, and they cut it all the way down to one point, and then they take a lead midway wow. through the fourth quarter. So they're down 17. Come back and take a lead. Come back and take a lead. at the uh, Midway through the fourth quarter, about four minutes to play, they led 49-48. Wow. You're thinking, uh-oh. Yeah, you know. everybody else in the gym was happy unless they're a loser kind of thing. Yes. Everybody else I'm was sure just, some upper your hands were just, just like, yeah. yes! <laughs> but... Um, after that, when Livingston got down, maybe that gave them the wake-up call they needed because they scored six straight. Uh, and sales, a sales two-pointer gives Livingston a 58-55 lead with 20 seconds to play. So they're up by three. You're looking good. Watertown missed two three-point attempts at the end of the game to tie it. Uh, and then Ayers gets a rebound, hits two free throws, seals the win. So Livingston wins a game that if you'd have listened to the first half, you'd have thought, man, they they wiping no the floor way, yeah. up. If you'd have just started at halftime, you're thinking, whoa, boy, Watertown's pouring it on Livingston tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Tale of two halves. Absolutely. So Livingston wins the game by a final score of 60-55, to 55, and they advance to play Upperman on Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. game will be played at Tennessee Tech's Hooper Evelyn Center. If you are a Livingston Academy fan, this is a game to be at. Livingston versus their hated rivals from Baxter. The rivalry continues. Absolutely. Another year, another chapter. Uh, but Upperman, hey, they, they had a tough game versus York. They only won 61-57 to 57 uh, over York. Upset York. They upset, or didn't upset. They had a tight one when they played the Cap County. Yes. You know, to get New York. So, um you know, Coach McWilliams, his team, battle-tested, ready to go. I mean, Coach Miller's team, battle-tested, ready to go. It'll be a good basketball game. Um, you know, Livingston puts it on up here, beats them 68-52 at Livingston Academy, and then Upperman returns the favor at Upperman, 69-56, beat Livingston Academy. So, uh, all the numbers point out this is an even basketball game. You know, Upperman shoots the ball so well. Um, you know, can uh, Will McDonald and Mitchell Ayers – um, relieve, you know, Matthew Sales and Cody Ray. And uh, I said this, I mentioned him a minute ago, but man, Caden Jones, uh, they've got the point guard down there, the Gore kid, whatever his name is. He's pretty good. And, yeah, Colin uh, Gore. Colin yeah. Gore, yeah. And so uh, can Caden Jones be really good? We'll see. And I, I, uh, well, it's just a good basketball game. They, it feels like this is – it's always one of them winning it. Absolutely, yeah. You know? I mean, that, that that's why the younger generation thinks it's Livingston because it's always Livingston. And there's upper. nothing wrong with that because it has been that way for the last probably eight years for sure. Um, 
So uh, this uh, this win over Watertown ensures that Livingston gets to host round one of the region tournament, mm-hmm. which will be played on Saturday, February twenty third. And so let's you got the stuff. What's the as, re- as it stands? District seven AA. Uh, they play tonight, Saturday night. Cumberland County plays Grundy County in the district championship. So we won't be playing we'll either play one of those. We won't play either one of those. But by what I've got is Bledsoe County, who is the two, got upset by Grundy County. Bledsoe County plays Sequatchie County, but what I've got. So, so one of those two teams. One of those two teams. You'll play Bledsoe or Sequatchie. A win, I would think, if you win the district, a win should play Sequatchie next Saturday. Grundy County, because I've got them... Okay, that doesn't matter. I've got Bledsoe beating Sequatchie and Cumberland beating Grundy. So okay. I, if we win it, I'll have us playing Sequatchie. Grundy County playing York. Um, Watertown playing Cumberland County and Upperman playing Bledsoe County. So, you know, as far as I'm a Lewis Academy fan first, so I hope we win and do our thing. But then I hope that our district wins. Sure, you want to, see, you want to see our district do well but in the region. On the flip side of that, the way I've got it is that if that's how a lot works out, York would if if York wins, we play them in the region semis and win or go home. Win or go home. That's what you want. Uh, I guess. <laughs> I, 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 I'm a York. I'm a York is our biggest rival guy. You want to play York in a win or go home game? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, sure. You 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 know you want to win. I just don't but, feel like we got their best shot. I don't know, with the foul trouble. Maybe that's just how the game went. I, I, I thought the officiating was terrible. Um, but, man, they scare me because they're very good. I think oh, they're, they're definitely I good. think they're better than Upperman, and that's not just knock against Upperman. Upperman's a good basketball team, too. But, man, York is super talented. Um, but, I mean, I said going into this, there's five good teams in our district. One has to go home. Well, now there's four good teams in our district, and two of them get to go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if not more. Might not be any of them. You know? well, I mean – would you have predicted Livingston being the number one seed in the tournament at the uh, beginning of the season? I don't know. I, was, I started to go back through this different notebook, though. I think we had them up there at the top. We said we had them over the top. I didn't think. I don't think we. I don't think that I thought that I thought York would be the best team this year. And it kind of, kind of. I mean, they finished number two, so well, I'm not terrible at that. But I mean, Livingston up and right there together after after York. You know, they had Watertown right around the four. So, yeah. I wouldn't have picked them to win it, but, I mean, they've answered a lot of questions. Caden Jones has played really well. Mitchell Ayers and Lynn McDonald have played su- superb at times. And then the bench has played well. You had, you know, um, Hollers coming in. You've got Carlisle coming in. Uh, playing minutes there. And Matthew, and Matthew Sales does his thing, and Cody Ray's turned out a really good scoring uh, two guard there, I guess. It's just hope nobody gets the flu. Yeah, because it's going around. Between now, yeah. Livingston Academy schools are closed Tuesday and Wednesday this week. <laughs> and Monday. Dude. Well, Monday obviously. Monday's day. Yeah. They're closed Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So let's hope everybody gets uh, out of their sickness funk and gets uh, gets able to go watch Livingston versus Upperman game on Tuesday night. One more, on Wednesday. one more thing. Right. They ain't got no bit of school on Wednesday. So go out and be loud and be proud. One more thing before we wrap up this segment. Let's talk about some uh, 8AA district awards that were presented to the Livingston Academy teams. On the girls' side, uh, three players made all-district honorable mention. Amy Rogers, Keaton Webb, and Emily Jean were uh, honorable mentions for the all-district team. And Keaton Webb also made the all-freshman team. Props to those coaches for voting Amy Rogers in there. 
Yeah, that's that's good. Play. I don't think she played a district game. She may have played the Upman game. That's great. Um, boys basketball player of the year, Matthew Sales. Let's go. He's better get used to that. Yes, he got two more years yeah. where he could or should win that. Yeah, better get used to that. Coach of the year, Jimmy Miller. He served. Uh, first team all district in eight double A, Matthew Sales and Cody Ray. I agree with that one. Honorable mentions for the district turn district team. Uh, Will McDonald, Mitchell Ayers, and Caden Jones. And then all-defensive team, Cody Ray and Caden Jones. Hmm. Both made all-defensive team. Well, Cody Ray's played well. I mean, really well. So that's all five starters getting a mention there. Yeah. I mean, I was, I'm kind of surprised that we didn't have someone like on the second team there, maybe. But at the same time, I mean, I figured somewhere like Mitchell Ayers, Will will come in there somewhere. Will's had a really good year Absolutely. in district play, for sure. So. I mean, whatever. I mean, it's a coach's voted thing, and, it's, and there's a lot of good players, so that's not like it's a bad thing. You got beat out by a crappy kid or anything. But uh, congratulations to those guys and girls. Again, Amy Rogers getting honorable mention. I think that's awesome. Says mm-hmm. a lot about the coaches around her. Mm-hmm. And then uh, was it Keaton and who? Emily Jean. Emily Jean. Emily Jean's got some good games. Hey, she she came they in. All, she was leading scores several games for that. They all return. They just got to get better. They know it. I know it. You know it. And everybody knows it. You know. They were they were really close in several games this year. Yeah, you look back on uh, their season. I guess that's what we're doing right here, wrapping it up. And look back on the girls' season. They're so close in so many games. There were ten point games here and there, and I have been hard on them. And it's hard to watch, but you know you just you have to to do what you're told, coaching wise, and then what when you're told something, go there and execute it as best as possible, and don't go on what you call a walkabout. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, you can have these five point quarters. And things like that. This district, this district is too good. The coaches in this district are, is, are too good, and the players are as well to go and have that done. Um, so you got to get back in the gym, and you got to go to work. And the challenge I would put to them, and, and what Coach Riddle should do, and Sales and, and Jolly is, uh, you know, play play spring summer basketball. You play whatever kind of basketball you can within healthy healthy reasons, and um, you know get better. Don't sit at home and you know go to Sonic on Friday night and Saturday night and goof off. Yeah. Let's let's get in the gym. If you want to be good at what you do, and, and you look on that wall of all those players that played before you, they didn't put in that time to be crappy. That's a proud place to play, and and they should be proud to have to wear that jersey and to uh, to represent Lucas Academy. Boys side, man, what a year! And I don't feel like it's over. I mean, I feel like they're talented enough to make a good run at this whole thing. And um, you know, you you go down past the region, and it obviously gets tougher, but. Coach Miller does it again. Absolutely. I mean, here we are again. It's uh, man, he's a great basketball coach. He's a great person, and his teams play hard. They play just like he coaches hard, and and uh, as long as he doesn't wear a tucked-in shirt most of the time, he's doing pretty good. But <laughs> he don't worry about it because it comes untucked by the you know midway first quarter anyway. By the second possession. Yeah, second possession. But love watching Coach Miller coach basketball. Does a great job. That team is, is playing well, and you know, um, let's see. See how it goes. It's, they've got the potential. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap up this segment. And we'll be back to wrap up this episode right after this. Hey, Hogeye fans. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Please note that all inaccurate statements, poor grammar usages, and boneheaded opinions are completely intentional and are accurate reflections of the hosts. And now back to the show. Well, 
Possum on a gum bush, it's happened again. You've wasted another perfectly good portion of your day listening to the Hog Eye Sports Show. We would like to thank our special guest, Jeremy McLaren, for joining us on this episode. And we'd also like to mention a uh, special shout out to the Livingston Academy wrestling team who has traveled to the TWSAA State Wrestling Championships uh, recently. Brant Burns at 106 pounds, Cole Sullivan 195 pounds, Dalton Winningham 285 pounds, and Cheyenne Winningham competing in the 215 pound division. Uh, also, Matt Carew, senior captain, went down to the TWSAA Wrestling State Championships. And let's hope they perform well. It's going on currently uh, while we're recording this, actually. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll maybe have an update on their uh, results in our next episode. So if you've got any uh, anything you would like to uh, get in touch with us about, you can send your questions, comments, rants, and recipes to hogeyesports at gmail.com. On Twitter and Instagram, you can find us at hogeyesports. We're on Facebook at the Hogeye Sports Show, facebook.com slash hogeyesportshow. You can also send us a voice message via our profile on the Anchor app. And we would love to include some of y'all stuff in future episodes. We did the top five favorite basketball players. If anybody wants to chime in with their top five favorite basketball players. Favorite, not greatest. Right. We'll do greatest later on. But who, who is your favorite person for you to watch? Send some of that stuff to us and, and we might include you in our next episode. Today's Hog Eye Sports Show sponsor has been the J. Peterman Company's Urban Sombrero. It combines the spirit of old Mexico with a little big city panache. <clears throat> so we've had several, several Hog Eye Sports Show sponsors on our first 12 episodes. You know, we want to thank some of those Absolutely. guys. The law firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe do a really good job yeah, for us. I've got all my there. patio furniture at uh, Something Wicker. This way it comes. You know, we've had a lot of great sponsors, and they've, they've done a lot for us. And, and because of those sponsors, we've been able to hire some uh, Hog Eye Sports Show employees. So we want to start a uh, employee spotlight for every episode. This week, we want to uh, spotlight our new weatherman. So we're coming up on spring sports season. All of those spring sports are outdoor sports, and you never know what the weather's going to do. So we want to spotlight our weatherman, whose name is Luke out a window. So uh, big props to him. Hopefully he does a good job for us this year. And uh, so for Josh Scott, this is Michael Johnson. And we will see you on the next episode. So long, friends and neighbors.